Are you ready to dive deep into the intersections of technology, law, and business? Catch the Tech Intersect podcast on our new Advantage Evans YouTube channel. Whether you're connecting on the go or binging episodes from the comfort of your home, you'll never miss a moment again. Plus, you'll experience all types of exciting shorts, special events content, breaking news lives and the comprehensive learning series. Subscribe today, hit the bell for notifications, and enjoy podcast videos and more. Use the link or search for Advantage Evans on YouTube to find our channel so you can watch, learn, and engage where Insider meets Impact. See you there. My goal, regardless of what you do by the end of this conversation and after reading Digital Money Demystified, all of my influences and who I am has led to the moment where I just want to empower people to have the right information so that they can make informed choices. So that's kind of both the traditional but non-traditional path to what I do now and why I'm so passionate about it. Welcome to Tech Intersect. I'm your host, Tanya Evans, and my life and work exist at the heart of law, business, and technology. Yeah, I've earned a few fancy titles and degrees over the years, but the bottom line is I'm a writer, speaker, teacher, and lifelong learner. And I'm really excited that you've joined me on this journey. So what is Tech Intersect? Well, it's authentic, empowering conversations with really interesting guests who demystify complex topics to prepare you for the future, because your future is now. And it exists where law, business, and tech intersect. Get ready to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to what we've all been waiting for. I've been waiting for months for tonight. Today is not just any typical Tuesday. This is book launch Tuesday for my good friend. I'm going to put some respect on her name, Professor Tanya Evans. (laughs) And hey, girl, hey. Hey, girl, hey. (laughs) What's good? What's good? How are you feeling, author? Amazing. Amazing. This is so exciting. We've been talking about this for a long time. You have been ministering to me, encouraging me. It's finally here. It's kind of like amazing. I put on some leather, but I had to like turn the air down. I literally, the air is at 66, so I don't melt. But it was, you know, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to bring a little something, something, you know, do a little something. Listen, and you did it. You did it. You are, I I might have to get my fan out too over here because (laughs) I feel the heat that you're bringing. And I'm just excited that everybody's here to celebrate with you, Money Demystified, the launch party. I am your host, Minda Hearts. And when my good friend, Tanya Evans said, can you be here to tonight? I'm like, where else would I be? So listen, I know that you had an event last night, right? Yeah. So before we jump into the party, I just want to give everybody this a little Sam's Club sample of what popped off last night. Okay. <laughs> I love that reference. So it was fire. It was fantastic. It was funny because like two weeks ago, you know how you send out information and and then you stare at the, it, maybe it's just me, you stare at the inbox and you like, you hear crickets. You're like, I might throw an amazing party and no one's coming. Intellection, I know that's not true, but you were. And then like within this last week, the love just came from every space far and near. It was a great reminder that we always have everything that we need because the energy was wonderful. It was this fantastic conversation with Lynette Calfani-Cox. She wrote one of the forwards for the book. 
And we had this great fireside conversation about the future of money. It was hosted by my sister from another Mr. Dr. Kathleen Walls, where we did like a micro version of what we call Test of Money Monday. And so it just talks about spirituality and the energy of money. And it really comes down to mindset. So we spent time doing that. I kind of unpacked a few of the, the myths. We had some melodies from B. Shane Frederick and my mom was on and it was fantastic. So it was well attended. I really enjoyed the conversations. I do have a, a replay of it. So after this, look out in your inboxes. I want to make sure everybody has an opportunity to take a look at that as well. But it was fantastic. It was fantastic. Well, I know that you like to do it big. So I, I already know I'll be getting in my inbox and coming back through myself. But, you know, again, welcome everybody to the launch party. We're here to celebrate. It's Tuesday, but we're going up on a Tuesday, right, Professor? <laughs> exactly. Because Tuesday okay. is the new Friday, darling. I thought you got the memo. <laughs> Listen, and if you didn't get the memo, we are here because of digital money mis- demystified, the launch party. And for those who may just be like, They've been following you, but they don't know all about you. I want you to just let them know who you are. Remind them that you're one of one. You are that girl. You've been that girl. (laughs) Just let them know before we dig into the juicy behind the scenes stuff of like how, what it took to birth this book, baby. I love that. Well, I am a tenured professor, full professor at Penn State Dickinson Law School. I have a co-hire appointment at the Penn State Institute for Computational and Data Sciences. It's definitely a mouthful because in academia, you know, we have way too many words with many syllables, but it's wonderful to even carry those titles, the latter in particular, because I didn't come from a science or technology or finance background. But because of the work that we'll talk about tonight, I was able to really carve my own path. It's a lot of the work that you talk about when you're just unapologetically forging your own path. And it allowed me the opportunity to get this co-hire appointment that is very prestigious for somebody who does not have a technology background. And so I love that. I actually, this is not my first book, although it's my first book in this particular lane. Years ago, I wrote a series of legal reference guides for writers because I'm an intellectual property lawyer by training. I teach copyright and information, privacy, administrative law, a lot of things that helped inform the way that I wanted to write the book and all of the things that I want to do following that. A fun fact, I'm a former professional tennis player. So I played on scholarship at Northwestern, played professionally for four years, and then I went to Howard Law School. And it's funny because I took both a traditional and non-traditional path to what I do now, because you kind of, I started, clerked in the third circuit, started in big law, had a soft place to fall with my mom, who is a patent attorney. So we practiced together for a while. And then about 15, 16 years ago, I started teaching. It was going to be for a temporary time. And then 16 years later, it's like when you're on the road to tenure, you might as well just like pick it up. So all of those things have informed what I do now, but I kind of We'll continue to talk about this, but I, people ask me all the time, how does someone like you do something like this? Because I'm licensed in four states. I just celebrated here in DC, my 25th year. I started when I was very young. I'm a child prodigy, clearly, (laughs) but I, I've been out the game. I've been out of law school for 25 years. 
And so I've built a reputation of not only shooting straight, but it's a matter of integrity, which is incredibly important in the crypto and blockchain space because we got a lot of naysayers, but we also have a lot of carnival barkers. And my goal, regardless of what you do by the end of this conversation and after reading Digital Money Demystified, all of my influences and who I am has led to the moment where I just want to empower people to have the right information so that they can make informed choices. So that's kind of both the tr traditional but non-traditional path to what I do now and why I'm so passionate about it. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. We're celebrating digital money demystified. So let's break it down, Tanya. What inspired you to mm -hmm. write this book? And you know, was there a specific moment or realization that made you think crypto curiosity community needed this resource? And I and I love that because listen, before you, you 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 made crypto okay for me because mm -hmm. I was scared. You know, I was like, is this monopoly money? What is going on here? <laughs> so, you know, us black folks, sometimes we can be a little skeptical, you know, so oh, a lot of skeptical with good reason, right? With good yes. reason. Oh my gosh. It's crazy because in 2017, a friend of mine, she was in law school, not in law school, getting an advanced degree at Syracuse in, in media, like new media. And there was this working group where they were talking about the intersection of new media and this technology called blockchain, which of course I'd never heard before. And what I quickly learned though, is it was all software and there were intellectual property implications about it. There were copyright issues. There were patent issues. I didn't fully understand or appreciate the relationship between this novel way of organizing data that lesson was going to come a long time after that. But I wanted to understand, like, what is this magic internet money? What does it have to do with this novel way to, from like a democratic point of view, a little d, not, not from a political sense, but something that allows everyone to participate and have access? That was interesting to me as well. But I didn't understand why do we need new money? We have money. I love this money. I love money. What is wrong with our existing money? And what I quickly started to learn is there's an interesting way that we exchange value that actually predates governments. Government form of money is called fiat. And a lot of times, look at what's going on in the United States, for example, where you raise a lot of money to protect borders, right? You, you have taxes, you raise for wars. I'd never really understood or appreciated what the relationship between military and money was. And that was something that really kind of startled me a bit. It's like, well, what's the alternative when a government fails? It's harder to see, even though we're coming up against another government shutdown, blah, blah, blah. The dollar is the global reserve currency of the world. But if a government is on the decline, what would be the alternative? What may rise in its place to be a global reserve currency? It could be from another country. You know, it's not my prediction that in the next five years, Bitcoin or something else will be the global reserve. But imagine a world where you have a global currency that really honors the fact that we actually are one, not these artificial borders and something that isn't beholden to a particular government. That was interesting to me as well. And there, finally, there are just a lot of legal implications and issues. What are the regulations? What are the laws? We're literally creating the laws while we're going forward. And so I wanted a book that addressed all of those things as I worked through my own, my myths, my misperceptions, my misunderstandings 
about the nature of the technology, how it relates to finance, and why this might be empowering for those who have traditionally been locked out of the wealth building game here in the United States and abroad. Listen, this new money, we better, you you better get in on this new money because many people have tried to shut us out of the other currencies and the other money. And this is our opportunity to educate ourselves. We don't have to move in fear. We don't have to move in scarcity. We get to get these good old resources that Tanya is giving us for much cheaper than some other people would almost have it. So if you haven't got the book, grab it for you, grab it for your mama, grab it for your cousin, because we all need to have it. But for the people who are not familiar with this digital money, Tanya, what do you hope readers will gain from the ones that know, maybe they think they know it all, but to the ones that are like, mm, I'm just on the fringes. Um, yeah. You know, what? what is the takeaway? Well, it's interesting because it kind of tees up two or three different people. And the person who loves me is just happy to be here and knows nothing, right? They're like, Tanya's doing something, Minda's doing something. They like it. I love it. And I'm on, but you have no idea about crypto at all. And and you're here to support. That might be one avenue. Then you have folks who know something, but haven't invested yet and are fearful. They see the headlines. They see bad actors like Sam Bankman fried They see the failure of bankruptcies of exchanges and that worries them. And it's enough to stay on the sidelines. And then, and we talked about this a bit last night in the pre-launch VIP thing. What about all the people who got wrecked? What about all the people who got caught up in FOMO instead of, so we have FOMO, fear of missing out. And then you have FUD, which I talk about in the book as well, fear, uncertainty, and doubt oftentimes fueled by mis or disinformation for folks who have a vested interest in you not learning, right? But people followed FOMO. They got caught up in the hype cycle. It was on the super, you know, advertising was on the Super Bowl. Tom Brady liked it. So we had to love it, right? And then they got wrecked because they didn't understand one, this is a long game. Two, crypto, if you invest, should be a small part of an overall balanced portfolio who didn't fully appreciate their existing relationship with wealth and money. So if we're taking bad habits into the future money, that ain't going to work. Got bad information, didn't know where to turn, listened to the folks in Clubhouse and on the YouTube. And it was difficult to find a voice kind of in the center that wasn't all crypto all the time or no crypto any of the time. And you used an important word that I want us to dig, you know, kind of dig a little deeper on this idea of fear. Because at the end of this fear and something that is productive, that those are both energies that can occupy the same space. And that can really keep you from the blessing of understanding new that might give you a first mover advantage in a way that black and brown folks, women in particular, have not had the ability to participate in. So, you know, we can talk about redlining and and all of the other things, the isms that are kind of hardwired wired and baked into the system. But right now it's the mindset and education that is preventing us from participating in the future. And we control that, but we got to get the sphere thing together. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, 
grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm so excited that everybody's here because we are about to pop that curiosity popcorn and we're going to push away that fear so that when people leave by the end of the party, they're going to have everybody. They may not be like the founder of crypto and blockchain and digital money, but they don't have a, an understanding. But there are some people out there who I'm sure came because they want to know a little bit of your writing process. So before we like dig into the real meat and potatoes of the book, I want to talk a little bit author to author because there's plenty of people out there who are like, oh, I can't wait for my book launch day, right? And we don't always get to talk about the behind the scenes of of the writing process. So just for a little, you know, let's give the community just a little you know, journey into what it was like to write your book. And, you know, you've written other books before. So what was different about this one? You know, I'm ready to, to sip my tea while, while we listen in on the behind the scenes of your process. This was a fascinating project. The first series of books a while ago was a lot easier to write because one, they were legal reference guides, really grounded in copyright law or literary law. I was using contracts from my entertainment law practice at the time. And it was all clear in the sense that the laws that applied, I just had to write about those. There are only a certain number of ways that you can write about copyright, for example, or to share my publishing agreements or you know, uh, co-publishing agreements, licensing agreements. Those things have been so well-established for so long It was just about the process and it's not an insignificant process. I do not mean to minimize it, but I had a ready repository of information. And then it was about the process of organization of it, not using multisyllabic words in order to make a point. We're bad at at that as lawyers and also as academics. And so really making it accessible was important back in the day. Today, it's equally important as well, but without the safety and security of knowing precisely what the law is, where this is going, the fact that I had to find a way to make the content evergreen because I was committing to writing something that if I went too in the weeds, if it was too specific about the technology or the state of the art, it was going to be out of date in six months, in three months. This is a lifelong learning process. It's continuing crypto education. People call me an expert, but I learn something new every day. I just at this point know more than most because I have a head start. I've been doing this for six, almost seven years, but we're like building the plane while we're flying it. You know, I went earlier this year in March to testify before the House Financial Services Subcommittee on Digital Assets, Financial Technology and Inclusion. And legislators are trying to figure this out. Regulators are trying to figure this out. I'm in D.C. now, but was recently about two or three weeks ago here and took a meeting with some lawyers at Treasury. The Treasury Department is trying to figure out how to tax it and what makes sense. Participating in those opportunities gave me kind of like a bird's eye view of if they're trying to figure it out. I know the average person is as well. But before we can even get to that, What information do people need so that they can decide if they want to take a course? They can decide if they want to invest. They can decide professionally what pivot they might make. And all of these things I had to do for myself, the 10 myths in the book, 
And I had a bunch of them that I could have included. So when you talk about the writing process, it's one, I believe that this exercise that is creative and focused on education and information is a gift. You're a writer, so you understand it kind of comes through you, but it's not of you. It's my responsibility. Like the first level of that gift is just to get it out. And then it is to package it in a way where I'm not focusing on me and what I want to say, but what? how do I want this to be received? What is the end result? What impact do I want to make on people so that I'm leaving them better than I found them? You can't do that at the same time, right? You have to get it out. But then that next level is certainly, how do I organize this? And, and shout out to Broad Book Press, Vanessa and Jennifer that had done, did an exceptional job in like the editorial and post-production process. But you got to sit down and write the book. And I was grateful to find my way to a topic that's evergreen, that that's the first step. And then if somebody wants to take the course and move forward, that's something. But this is the solid foundation that gives people separating fact from fiction, straight no chaser, just the facts, ma'am. And then we can kind of move forward using my own experience as the guide. I love that. And then I'm just curious because, you know, you started with some Beyonce. What was like your playlist like, okay, <laughs> when you were writing? Because I don't know about you, but I need music when I'm actually writing my fourth book right now. And I'm like, I got to get these playlists together because this is how I, I keep going. This is my energy. Yes. Oh, energy. I see what you did there. Was that a Beyonce reference? Was that a low-key Beyonce reference? It's interesting because it depends. It depends. So sometimes it's like that easy listening or solo piano. They don't have any words. If a song has words, there is no writing being done. <laughs> so, it, I mean, the vibe is really anything that I would listen to in the spa, but just like a tick because it has to be energizing. Other, otherwise, it's like, I don't want to nod out when I'm trying to write. I tend to be a night owl. So sometimes there's like, honestly, I would have the TV on before I'm listening to something, unless it's solo piano. That's actually my favorite. Kind of wake up to it and I'll go to sleep to it. And if as long as I can't sing with it, then it can stay. But, you know, a fun fact about me, because you think me of this learned person, really good for having something bingeable in the background. I watched Love is Blind. <laughs> That's the real tea. That's the real tea. There'll be something... That doesn't require me any. Oh, and also Food Network. That would literally be on in the background as well. So food and tomfoolery. Those are the things that that energize me. <laughs> we love it. Listen, I'm a big proponent of a good Love is Blind episode or Love Love Island. I hate to admit it to the to the group here. Oh, good. I feel seen. I feel seen. It's just fun to talk. It's okay. And you know what? It's funny because you are a night out because sometimes I would get a text from you. I'd be like, what's this girl doing? <laughs> I, I have to look at my watch. Like, what's she doing? <laughs> right. Is she in the United States? We don't know. <laughs> that, that too. I don't know where she's at, but uh, where, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? I wasn't sure, but I love that so much. And the last question that I want to kind of ask you about the process before you jump back into it. So if you're just joining us, welcome to the party. We're here celebrating my friend and her book, Digital Money Demystified. And so we're, you know, we're just dripping it out, not giving away too much. Uh, we, we want you to stay till the end. But what did you learn about yourself during this process? Because I know about me, every book that I write, I learn something new mm -hmm. about myself, you know, my strengths, right? Where I can go, where I can take different things. And I'm just wondering, you know, as a personal aside, what, what did you learn about yourself after, after this book? 
Well, you know how when if somebody writes a book or you you set out to write a book and you say kind of like music too, this has never been done before, never been seen before. Then on one hand, it's like great, but on the other hand, one that's not true. And two, you really do have to find the similarities or nobody will know where to put it on a shelf, et cetera, et cetera. So, and you know, I love my research. I spent a lot of time researching because I wanted to, up until the last minute, I was continuing to update things. And what I started to learn or feel the weight of was the responsibility. Like once I set this into motion, that this was going to be in folks' hands who were relying on me to tell them everything and kind of curate the information that would be most helpful. So that's really where my academic hat is. And and certainly as a lawyer, it's like, how do you, it, it was the awesome responsibility. And then just being really proud, being proud of the ability to have gone so far in this journey that now I look back to figure out what is it that I wish I had known at that time. Now that I'm here, like write this book for the Tanya from five years ago. And so that was an interesting journey too. It wasn't like a present day thing so much as I'm writing it now to help the person who is just starting like I was. I understood very much like all of the, the questions that I would have, all the mistakes that I made. I made every single mistake. I believed every single myth here. And just because I call it a myth, this was the other thing, doesn't mean it's not entirely true. Like sometimes with a myth, there's some type of kernel of truth. And so just learning how to use my existing expertise and research and writing skills in order to deliver something that is also an enjoyable read, looking at all of the books that already existed, so that even right down to the cover, right? To do the opposite of what everybody else was doing, like a dry finance book or a dry tech book. And that actually challenged me because I can be buttoned up, you know, like the Professor Evans and behind the podium. So I learned that when it's easier for me to demystify the space, if I remove the barriers of learning, which also challenged me, but it made me a better writer. It made me a better researcher. And it, I believe, made this a really enjoyable read because I'm a super private person as well. But I feel like sharing more of myself and my journey made it more authentic. You know, it's like you and I talk about authenticity and what that means and having that come through your writing. And so that was something that I definitely paid attention to as well. Yeah, I love that so much. I feel that same way when, for those who may not know my work, my first book that I wrote is called The Memo. And when I think about who I was when I wrote that book in 2017, 2018, then it came out in 2019. And then my next books, who I was and even who I am right? Writing this book now. And it's like, I, I also am reintroduced to new pieces of myself each and every time that I, that I do that. And so I love that for you. And listen, I write business books too. So you're like, how can I keep this where we, it doesn't become like a snooze. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So I love it. I love it. Well, the other thing I know that people who may, you know, the book just came out today, so they may not have finished it just yet. So we (laughs) just want to keep giving them, giving them more Sam's Club samples, you know, could you highlight maybe one or two chapters or a section from Digital Money Demystified that 
you believe are like straight up game changers for for the readers. We now listen, we're not giving away too much, so you know, don't get mad at us. Just a, just the <laughs> taste. The first hint. Yes, I was thinking about like what part would be really, really great to share. And I'm interested in sharing a bit of the introduction because it kind of echoes some of the things that we touched on. But one of the really fun parts of the book that I enjoyed writing was describing my own rabbit hole experience. We call this like the crypto rabbit hole because at first you're like, oh, no, that sounds weird. I don't know. And then you just get something. And next thing you know, you're tumbling headfirst into this wild, crazy world. You don't, it's kind of mystical and magical. You don't know things, but every question leads to like 10 other questions. And and so it kind of chronicles my experience, but a little of it, I hope will help everyone perhaps see themselves in this too, as you with intellectual curiosity go forward. So a bit from the introduction. Anyone who knows me, the highly risk-averse, color inside the lines, follow the rules even when no one's watching me, knows that I am one of the most unlikely people to let any risky venture see the light of day in my life. Not with the hard-earned money or my harder-earned law degree and licenses to practice law in four jurisdictions or my unimpeachable reputation as a well-respected attorney and successfully tenured law professor, not for some newfangled, magical, untraceable internet money I'd heard was only used by criminals on the dark web. Something that was surely a scam and little more than a Ponzi scheme, money, imagine me using air quotes with an eye-rolling, give me a break effect, that wasn't backed by anything real and therefore had no real value. Some types of money people refer to as currency, but that was not money issued by any government or recognized as a lawful currency. Currency that was not only not kept in traditional banks or federally insured by the FDIC, but also was not regulated, had no physical form, was mined like gold, but with computational power, whatever that is. The bottom line, a fad, clearly, only for the libertarian-leaning crypto bros, and too complicated and too risky, with no redeeming qualities worth investing any time or actual government-issued currency fiat into, period, or so I thought. But somehow, my intellectual curiosity got the best of me, and on my quest to get to the bottom of what cryptocurrency and blockchain are, why they were created, and by whom— And even more importantly, what impact these technologies would have on the next iteration of the internet, trade, data creation and management, and the transfer of value globally, I began busting myth after myth. And it didn't take too long for me, the most unlikely crypto fan, to find myself falling headfirst into the infamous crypto rabbit hole and changing my life both personally and professionally forever. I feel like I'm at school, Tanya. I could sit and listen to you read for the rest of the night, you know, story time. I love it. Thank you for for sharing that. I know that you have some exclusive content that you want to share. Uh, Is now a good time to talk about that? Yeah, that's good. I have this, like what I, I wanted to find a way to create just like a mini version, not a big giant version, but a mini version of a training. Everybody on here comes from different levels of understanding. Some people have invested, some not so much, et cetera, et cetera. But just give kind of like the the why. We can deal with the how later. One of the really 
exciting things. And I'll be giving away some memberships, but I'll tease it a little bit now. It's a great start to get the book. We want you and a hundred of your closest friends to do so asapically so we can make this a number one bestseller at a bare minimum in virtual currencies. But it really is just the beginning and it's a continuing process. So having the companion website at digitalmoneydemystified.com will actually serve as a ready repository for every update I ever do for the book. Anything in between editions will land there and will be shared exclusively with members. I love that. I love that so much. We've been used to doing money, you know, a certain way. Many of us, depending on how we grew up, we never talked about money. So, you know, it's it's a weird thing, or maybe you don't even ask for a raise when it's time, right? So money is kind of a, an interesting thing, but how do you think understanding and the mindset around money has changed in of digital currencies and what role do you see your book playing in this transformation? Because I see this as just a catalyst for a lot of us who, you know, haven't been comfortable with with it in many ways. And so if we're not comfortable with the paper money, then why would we be comfortable with the digital one sometimes, right? Right. Absolutely. I mean, this is a great time. I have not, despite all of my like educational privilege and, and going to Northwestern and being the you know, the editor-in-chief of my law journal and all these things, I learned more in the last six years about money, monetary policy, challenging my own fears, and like just historically, my relationship with money, with debt, hyper-consumerism, right? To really prop up a capitalistic government, there are only a few people at the top of the pyramid building their wealth by ensuring that the rest of us consume. They issue and paper, you know, print money like it's going out of style to inject enough into a system to encourage people to spend. And then sometimes you spend too much, so they hike up the interest rates to try and slow down spending. And it, we're being manipulated all the while. Those who are creating opportunities either through investments or through their businesses that are built really on the backs of others. This is what the United States and many colonialized areas have been built on the backs of free and cheap labor and hyper consumerism. So I had to sit with that. I had to sit with my own role in having, you know, six figure debt and all sorts of things and wanting what I wanted when I wanted it, but never building into my future, let alone the future of my family and future generations. And so I learned a lot about myself in the process because and this is my personal experience raised with the idea of getting a great education, did that. We've all done that. It's education is thing that people can't take away from you, right? You get a good government job or the equivalent, some six figure something or other. You get a house, a burial plot, some insurance, and you've made it. But when we take a look at how wealth is built and the wealth disparities among Black and brown folks and white folks of the same educational prowess or even less. It's staggering. It'll take you 140 years to catch up doing the same thing. If you want to do something different, we have to get something different. We have to do something different. And so challenging your assumptions just about money and your relationship to it brings you to a point from like, um, I think of it as like Kwanzaa principles, the idea of like self-determination cooperative economics, collective work and responsibility, purpose, faith, all of those things, creativity, 
Kwanzaa really tracks really nicely with the cypherpunks who created cryptocurrencies to begin with. It's about autonomy. It's about financial privacy in a way that you cannot enjoy by just dealing with a certain type of asset or currency. And that's the power and the opportunity as long as you don't fall victim to the the pitfalls of crypto as well. We might actually even jump into the the training. And I think I can highlight those things a little bit more because the mindset thing is critical. If we take the old mindset into the new, it's the same result. Yeah, let's do it. Let's definitely do it. All right, let's do that. All right, so taking you through the myths of the book. So if you have your own book, you can follow along. If you don't have it yet, you will soon because you're ordering tonight and it's going to come super fast. The 10 myths that are in the book. First of all, not a myth is separating fact from fiction. That's like the first book end. And then you have the 10 myths in between. And then we end with from cash to crypto, where I give you the step-by-step process of how you begin. But I spent a lot of time on demystifying the space answering your questions. I have a very extensive glossary as well so that you are empowered with a a solid foundation to go from the why and the what into the how. And so I found that that's the best way to kind of onboard people as well. So I deal with the myth is crypto too volatile, only for criminals, one big scam, Bad for the environment, that crypto is problematic because it's anonymous and untraceable, isn't secure, is completely unregulated, too complicated or difficult to use, or just a passing fad. And one that was particularly important to me, and I thank Lynette Calfani-Cox, who is one of the two authors of a forward. The other, shout out to Arlen Hamilton from Backstage Capital for writing a forward as well. Both tremendous women in their own right. Lynette, when she was giving me comments on the book, she thought it was great, but what was missing was a more full-throated approach to dealing with where the space is for Black people, Brown people, women, queer community, others that are systemically and systematically marginalized and then make a stronger case because on the continent of Africa in particular, it makes me think of Ghana, Nigeria sticks out as well. And in South Africa, there's very robust adoption and use, daily use of Bitcoin in particular. It's special. And so we have to make the case for, is this just for the stereotypical heteronormative white male from tech or finance? and I make a compelling case that it's not. It's very interesting that Black people in particular actually over-index in crypto, which is why a lot of us got wrecked in the last cycle, because it was a lot of FOMO, buying in, but not fully appreciating or understanding about the, the cycle and energy of money. So more on that later. But what I wanted to highlight here, given my conversation with Minda, is this idea of new mindset. And I love so much that she's highlighting this because the book is about the myth of crypto, but hopefully you will learn about yourself and your relationship to wealth and where you want to be a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, et cetera. And new money is going to require a new mindset. So quickly, wherever you are, if you have a pad or your your electronic device is thinking about a million dollars, this million dollar question and writing down your total income from last year, if you made over a million dollars last year, Use $10 million as the the new level. But writing down your total income 
from last year and subtracting that from a million or whatever your next level is. And that's the cost of working for your money instead of having your money work for you. That's the cost of trading time for money instead of having your money work for you. Creating investments and business opportunities that do not come back into your house void, <laughs> that go out and create a return of income, that ROI so that you can be at the South of, in the South of France with me sipping champagne and minding your Black-owned business, right? The idea that you want to keep getting what you're getting, keep doing what you're doing. And, and I use the uh, median wealth of Black families just from 2016 It hasn't gotten any better, I assure you, because this, but we have 17.6, just the median comparative to the median wealth of white families in 2016, which tends to come from passing down real estate, having something at the end of your life that has grown over time so that the next generation doesn't have to start over again. If we're starting over again in the next generation, we're starting even further behind. There is no starting over. And generational wealth is not built on high income. Generational wealth accumulation comes from capital assets, from buildings, from stocks and bonds, businesses, from intellectual property, and yes, from crypto assets. The word crypto comes from cryptography, which is a way of encrypting data. And so it's just kind of a magical word of the encryption of messaging. And now the message is not just information, but it's actually value. Traditional investments are not enough. And if you miss the opportunity from a first mover advantage to stay ahead of the curve, because most people are not investing, many people don't even know what we're talking about. But this is a first mover opportunity that although you could definitely lose a lot as well, depending upon how much you might invest, but there are the potential for high returns. I talked about my own personal experience The opportunity to at least diversify with something that might be a little bit more volatile with something like a bond so that you're overall balancing your portfolio, that you are missing out on technological innovations and are not going to be able to speak the language of the future of money and work and wealth. Access to decentralized finance, as I mentioned earlier, exposure to emerging projects where the there's a lot of risk in early investment, but the upside could be tremendous. Imagine investing in IBM or Google or Apple early on, right? All those opportunities that we miss when we don't know that we don't know or aren't in the old boys club to be able to pay to take advantage of it. Think of the first mover advantage when people were kind of first to get land and, and real estate, right? The dot-com boom and bust and reorganization, like a lot of money was made in Silicon Valley before we even knew that Silicon Valley was a thing. Mobile technology came and really changed the game. We, we had a shout out to the, <laughs> the BlackBerry, the Blueberry, the BlackBerry. Yeah, I wasn't a BlackBerry thing, but I saw a lot of BB love in the chat. And then we have emerging technologies that came after that. And finally, virtual currencies and other crypto assets. Early investment gives a first mover advantage that tends over time with prudent investments and strategic placements and balancing of an overall portfolio to create things that you can't do on your own. And so I wanted to show you, if you were with me last night, then you know that this slide of Bitcoin's all-time trajectory from 2009, January 2009, when Bitcoin was first launched up until now, this is the all-time chart. 
So drop a plus one in the chat if you've heard that Bitcoin is dead. Like every time there's a down market, Bitcoin evidently is dead. I want somebody to put on their readers and see this number. I can't even read it because I'm not good at math. But the all-time trajectory, you can tell by this, this is around the time that I got in. We had a bear market. Then that insane bull run that we saw everything happening in the Super Bowl ads, et cetera, et cetera. Then we had the downturn. Guess what else happened? It was around macroeconomics in terms of, of the pandemic. We had wars and rumors of wars. Now we have actual wars. But here at the beginning of 2023, we've seen an increase over time. But you have to take the wider view to see what's going on. The present value of Bitcoin is 33000 and change per coin. You can buy a fraction of it. You can open up your, in fact, if you have Cash App right now, not legal or investment advice, open up your Cash App and buy $5 of Bitcoin right now and then just leave it there. That's something you do. You will own some Bitcoin. You'll be better off today than you were yesterday. And you will see that over time, how things change. This is another slide that I want to show you to help you understand the historical cycle of up and down markets or bull markets and bear markets. Up, 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 down. Up, 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 down. Up, 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 down. And then what's going on in 2023? We've already seen from the example. And that I took that from coinmarketcap.com. It's one of the best resources. It's free 99. It is an aggregator of all information. They're not trying to sell you anything. They have actually have good learning tools there as well so that you can see the historical data on every single coin and token that ever existed. We are clearly in an up cycle now. Prominent folks who give investment advice finally saw for the first time in a long time that Bitcoin just touched 30,000. Bitcoin got the memo because it heard that I was releasing this book and evidently it decided to have a little mini bull run that pushed past 31,000 as of last night. Today is 33 and change. This is the chart from the one day to show you some of the volatility, but volatility isn't bad. You just have to approach it differently and be sensitive to volatile assets and offset them with things that are more stable over time. And every nascent and emerging asset class goes through a huge period of volatility before there's more liquidity in the market, more people come in, the regulatory environment starts to calm down, which is happening right now, and things move forward. This is the one month chart. So see how 26,000 all the way up to 33 could be 35 by this point now. This is like two hours ago. I just want you to see this is the one year. This is when people said Bitcoin was dead. Right. (laughs) So I want you to have facts, not fiction, so that you see the movement. Bitcoin is up 74% this year. And thinking about the down, 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 up, or up, 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 down, whatever that that was, where are we now when we're thinking about money and not just all money, but specifically cryptocurrencies over time? And Bitcoin is the OG. It's the kind of the rising tide that lifts all boats. But there's a lot of junk tokens out there. Don't chase meme coins. Don't chase the equivalent of penny stocks. It makes no sense. You spend the time to learn the difference between Bitcoin and ETH, between uh, stable coins and central bank digital currencies that every government, including the United States, is working on right now. And understand fundamentally, back to what Minda and I were talking about, that money is a social agreement. It requires trust. And the dollar has not been backed by 
physical commodity, gold, for decades. People always ask me, well, what's Bitcoin backed by? What's the dollar backed by? The full faith and credit of this crazy government that is nearing another shutdown and doesn't have a speaker in the same year where we had a bank failure, two bank failures, regional three regional bank failures, including Silicon Valley Bank, where they said, don't worry, your pretty little head, nothing to see here. We need to pay attention about what's going on and have alternatives because it is about trust. And you have to figure out where do you place your trust when you're comparing crypto from government issued money and which types of cryptocurrencies are the right types for you, given your age, your stage and your risk tolerance, which is critically important as well. In the interest of time, I'm not going to go through this, but I will share this slide with you all afterwards to begin to compare and contrast crypto and other types of currencies. If you take the fundamentals course and if you're going to be in the membership, and I highly recommend, I have an unbelievable deal at the end of this that you can join if you so desire so that you can really dig in. You can take from cash to crypto and learn more as well and figure out even what blockchain is. I talked earlier about this decentralized way of organizing data. You can think of it roughly as the difference between a bank or a business controlling all of the data, which is certainly what we have now, or a government, versus no one person or entity actually controlling it. It's a database of transactions and balances so that in real time, you can actually see every single Bitcoin transaction. I can never see all the transactions that even hit my bank account. I'm just patiently waiting days or weeks for the money to actually hit, which I hate. But think of it as like a group text. You could have 10 people talking. You can delete the record of the conversation from your phone. But as long as those nine other people still have a record, that information persists. That's a really kind of just rudimentary way of thinking about what blockchain is. And finally, I wanted to give you a few slides about how finance is changing. If you ask, why should you care? You should care because CNBC said in the first quarter, and it's proving itself to be true, Bitcoin is one of the top five best returns for the remainder of 2023. And they said that in Q1. If you watch CNBC or any other stage channel like that, they will have the running prices for Bitcoin and for Ethereum, for example. And I want you to start paying attention because millionaires are paying attention. 73% own or want to invest in crypto. We have Deutsche Bank quietly planning to offer, that was some time ago, so actually offering crypto custody solutions for their high net worth clients. We have JP Morgan changing its tune. We have Visa and MasterCard and Fidelity and PayPal as well. And Cash App, for those who follow the instructions of the professor, went into their Cash App and bought $5 or whatever, you wouldn't mind losing in Cash App just to see how easy it is. The fact that a Bitcoin exchange traded fund is very close to adoption here in the next six months to one year, because the SEC has lost every major battle that they sought to put forth against some of the stalwarts of the industry. Gary Gensler and the SEC not doing so well with their their actions against individuals. And that is also probably the reason you're seeing more activity with Bitcoin right now. The Grayscale ETF is something that might be on the horizon in the spirit of full disclosure. I am on the board of the digital currency group that currently owns Grayscale as well. And so finally, just I want you to start thinking about your risk and reward. 
This is another bonus that you'll receive is the risk assessment that I want to share with everyone after this as well. So I'll be following up with an email, but you have to figure out your risk tolerance. It's focused on age and stage. It will cause you to challenge all of your assumptions about everything that you have to do a few things to be very intentional about your next move. Be very present, be very clear, ask for help, read this book and start to learn about money rather than trusting others to take care of you. Separating fact from fiction is critically important as well. We're not doing FUD, we're not doing fear, uncertainty and doubt because you're gonna start to look at your own wealth plan and your own wealth strategies, figure out what wealthy investors are doing and make sure that your mindset matches as well as your energy matches someone who is finding a way to make money while they sleep. Because if you don't find a way to make money while you sleep, you will work until you die. If you're trading your time for money and don't find a way to make money while you sleep or drink champagne with me in the South of France, you will work until you die. Thinking about getting rich quickly because the alternative, we're not talking about scams or schemes. We're talking about if you had the choice to get rich quick, slow, or not at all, those are the three options. Those are the three options, right? But I want us to change our mindset about scheme and scam because that does not create wealth. But if you want to get rich quick, you have to get smart quicker. And that's what this book does for you so that you're not left behind anymore. If it depends on me, we're not doing that because I want you to be ready and set so that you can grow. It's about time in the market. It's about setting your foundation that's going to propel you and support you in good times and bad so that you're making money in up markets and down markets. It's about continuing your crypto education. It's about not the short-term quick win without the work and the intention and the participation. And that starts here with the foundation that I am working for you so that to ensure that you're going to be on the leading edge of this change and that you actually are grabbing your first mover advantage. And so when I take these slides down, what Minda and I are going to close out on is what your next step is going to be as well. And think about if there are three things that you're going to do. Team, let's keep track of these things as they pop up in the chat as well. Minda, you keep your eye on it too. The three things that every person will do as a result of this. If it's buy a book, take a course, get a membership so that we are healthy. Lord knows we're going to be wealthy and wise for sure, for sure. So who's ready to go? You say, let's go, let's grow. The opportunities to work with me, VIP trainings, corporate trainings as well. One of the best ways that you can help me if you are connected to a corporation right now, you know, small groups or VIP training opportunities. I am available to do those things. There's limited opportunities, but they certainly exist. And one of the best ways you can help me is to recommend me for speaking, for training, for short-term and long-term contract work with corporations that need this work to assess risks, to understand risk and rewards, to understand how to pivot their business, given what I've done in the education realm as well. My courses start at $9.97. Membership regularly would be monthly $2.50. So that's like a 
a quick little training, just a little something, a little something for the people. You you gave it to them, Tanya. Listen, if they were ever skeptical or like, what what is the course like or what's inside the book? If you didn't realize that you just got all the gems dropped down on you, okay, I felt like you just touched us all with so much information. So listen, the number one thing is to go and buy the book. I'm just excited for everybody to read the book if you haven't read it yet. And this is a book that you need. Listen, we're going into 2024. I know that might sound crazy too, because I don't know where the year has gone myself, but be ready, right? What did they say? Scared money don't make money. So get this digital money demystified in your hand ASAP. So one of the questions that comes up is how to pick the right currency and where to buy. And I want it to be as simple as possible for you. Everybody actually doesn't have Cash App, and I totally, totally get that as well. But one of the ways that you can think about it is going to coinmarketcap.com, and that would be the way to, one, see the top 10 coins and tokens, and just focus there for the moment. Another thing that you could do is to find out what coin or token you might hear about. And before you do anything, before you go to an exchange, before you do anything, go to coinmarketcap.com and look it up. Was it created yesterday? Was it created 10 years ago? Is there a lot of trading volume that would suggest that a lot of people have it and it's of interest? Or is it just like a flat line? Has it been more volatile than Bitcoin, for example? You want to know enough about it. Go and find out like what is the purpose of the token? Is it something that's connected to a project that you are interested in? And so those are some of the ways that you can start to do your research. We say DYOR all the time. Where do people go to DYOR? It's not enough to just say do your own research without having someplace to go. So that was one that I saw. And that's a really important thing. Also, let's see here, we have, in terms of purchasing and selling crypto, this is clearly important as well. The purchase can be in a number of different places. And also coinmarketcap.com lists the various exchanges. This is how I start people in, in my courses. We focus on a couple of places. One, we focus on if somebody has Cash App, that's an easy way to start to acquire it. But Cash App is also a centralized place that is controlled by a single company. It's not decentralized, it's centralized. So the idea is not to just buy it and hold it in Cash App, but to have your own wallet. We call that self-custodying your crypto assets. That requires that you have a wallet that you control that's not controlled by some other company. We use Trust Wallet at Advantage Evans Academy. That changes all the time depending upon what the latest technology is, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But that's an example. In terms of exchanging either dollars for Bitcoin, for example, or Bitcoin for Ethereum, you do that on what's called exchanges. Now, an exchange is exactly what it's intended to do, allow you to trade pairs, meaning I'm trading dollars for Bitcoin, I'm trading Bitcoin for Ethereum. You're trading one asset for another, and then you are removing it from that platform. 
A lot of people lost a lot of money or got caught up in these recent bankruptcies because they left their money on a centralized exchange, thinking that it was functioning more as a bank than its purpose of literally just putting buyers and sellers together for the purpose of an exchange. And so we use Kraken right now in my courses and in my community. And that's another place as well. It's easy to buy and sell. I've liquidated positions, meaning some of my holdings and gotten my money because it's connected to my bank account within hours. And it makes me think of somebody bought uh, books for me over the weekend. I've sold a lot of books over the weekend. I'm so grateful. I'm here in DC. So my Howard people represented and they were paying me in various ways, but some people were paying in, in cash app. That money from Saturday and Sunday did not hit my bank account until this morning. This morning, I was like, $20 here, $20 there, $25. It was like, you know, 22 things just hit. Why was it that someone sent me money on Saturday and I didn't get it till today? Where is that? I mean, that's something that doesn't happen in the crypto space. So hopefully that's helpful. And I see some people said that they bought $10 on Cash App. Hey. They went in cash five dollars on Cash App. I'm saying, <laughs> okay, let's go. Now I want you to watch it over the next couple of days and just see what happens. This is the kind of thing where you kind of set it and forget it, but you're going to learn to how to get it off of Cash App and into your own wallet. So that'll be the next step to set up your your own wallet. But you got it. You got it. I love that so much. I know that we're almost at time, but I I, I want to ask you one last question. Mm-hmm. But again, Tanya, I'm just so proud of you. Congratulations on this monumental, revolutionary book. I know that it's going to be in the zeitgeist for infinity and beyond because this is very important. And so as we start to wrap up, what's your ultimate vision for digital money demystified? And how do you envision it impacting the lives of its readers and the broader community? I know we've touched on it throughout the night, but take us on home with it. This is a source of empowerment. Like my greatest vision for the impact is that people say, oh, (laughs) I get it now. I get it. It's the beginning of the journey. But if there is the opportunity to say, I believe this, it's only for criminals. And then they read the chapter and read information about crypto forensics firms that show that less than 2% of crypto is used in illicit transactions and that the number one currency used in nefarious and illicit activities is actually the almighty dollar because it's the global reserve currency by a long shot. They'll learn why a public facing system like Bitcoin or other public facing protocols make it really difficult to get away with bad activity because a blockchain is literally showing you every transaction and the chain. It's like the easiest way to follow the money. You don't know who the person is. It's pseudonymous, not anonymous. And I think in the next five years, certainly by 10, but even in the next five years, we will be using the same type of wallet idea for identity purposes. I actually think identity is a more interesting and more important way to use wallets than even money. Money will be a it'll be passe. It's in think of it in the same way that electronic mail was the first use case, commercial use case for the internet. Before we were doing like e-commerce. It was, you know, Brian Gumbel and Katie Kirk were talking about the email and something, something, right? Now we don't even want to open emails. 
but it was like the revolutionary thing. Crypto is that same first use case for blockchain technology, but we're actually going to be using it for identity and a, and a whole other range of things. If people can get that and then secure their first mover advantage to start to move the needle as a matter of wealth, as a matter of pivoting businesses as well to take advantage, you may never invest ever, but if you prepare your business to be a leader in Web3 technology, that is a win as well. So the ability to kind of take the blinders off and give people permission to ask the next questions and do the next thing that makes sense for them. I love that so much. You've just empowered each and every one of us through the information that you've shared tonight, through your books, through your courses. I just want to give you another opportunity to remind people how they can connect because I'm sure you have a bunch of new fans tonight. (laughs) And they're like, I don't want to, I don't want my time to end with Tanya Evans. I want more. So what does more look like for, for people? Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, let me just start there is digitalmoneydemystified.com. I peppered it throughout the book. It is titled the same name, obviously, as the book. And that's going to be your ready resource, not only for memberships, but also for free masterclasses and to keep up with. Eventually, we're going to put all of the events up there, too, for book signings as well. And I have a contact page there. But that's the first and most important place to engage with me at digitalmoneydemystified.com. And then finally, on YouTube, my YouTube channel is Advantage Evans. And you can find that every week. I am, well, I don't know if I'm going to go forward. It depends on if you all show me love and want me to continue, but it's been really successful to do Myth Buster Mondays, where I take a myth or part of a myth from the book or just based upon questions that I was receiving. And I'm really starting to build out my YouTube presence for sure. I'll do some live YouTubing there every week in some form or fashion. So that is also a place to go. So those three things, you go to digitalmoneydemystified.com. If you check out Tech Intersect podcast and also my YouTube channel, and the handle is Advantage Evans there on YouTube. And that would be fantastic. So there's many ways to stay connected, but the first point is make sure you bought the book before you hit leave you know, or whatever you're doing. Make sure that you get it and make sure that you support that you share. If you have social media, make sure that you repost and share because you never know who might see it too. And we want to make sure that they get all the information. And thank you to everybody who's already purchased the book, who went on tonight and wrote the reviews. We appreciate you doing that. And just for being here and rocking out with us, because again, we're so, so excited for our our dear professor rock star <laughs> leather coat wear where, you know, yeah. we know how she, she gets thank down you, and 66 degrees in here, not sweating. Yes. Listen, you're looking great. And the other thing I want to just put out there that Tanya didn't ask me to do, but if you have a connection to a conference or speaking engagement or bulk book buys, this is also a great opportunity for you to share it with any organizations that you're a part of or conferences, you're booking speakers. We also want to make sure that we get that book out to a, a larger audience as well. And so, or you have press opportunities that we want to share. So make sure that you just do that. And again, thank you for being here because this book is so important, not just for our community, but for the entire ecosystem. And so Tanya, thank you again for trusting me to be here to celebrate with you. I appreciate our sisterhood, our friendship, and I'm just so 
so proud of you. And I can't wait for us to be able to toast in real time to your success and all that's to come. And I just want to make sure that I give you the final. Thank you so much. You know, I appreciate you so much. Anybody who doesn't believe that true, true connections can first be built on texts and voicemails, uh, voice messages, then you don't know me, Amanda. So I appreciate you. When I thought, who would I want to share this moment with? I mean, it was just, it was a very short list of one. And here you are. (laughs) I appreciate you and your support constantly. I'm so, so excited. Again, shout out to Broadbook Press, to Jen Dorsey, Vanessa Campos, the quality of this book, even just like if you already have your book and you could just touch it, the quality, because I've been in publishing too, they spared no expense to put this amazing book out. So I appreciate them for that. To Arlen Hamilton and Lynette Calfani Cox for these extraordinary forwards and everyone who provided early reviews. And you, you're my village takes a village to raise a book and this book, nowhere but up. No limits, only levels. No ceilings, let's go. No ceilings. So thank you so much, everyone. Have a great evening or day or afternoon, wherever you are. And like the last hashtag we should be is is bestseller. Let's get that energy. Bestseller energy. That's it. There's no other hashtag, okay? That's it. Congratulations again, Tanya. We're proud of you. And everybody, make sure you tell at least five people about Digital Money Demystified. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Tech Intersect podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you love it, please tell the world. If not, go ahead and tell me. And in either case, drop a comment or ping me on social media at IPProfEvans with the hashtag Tech Intersect. And finally, a quick reminder on digital safety. There are a lot of scammers out there impersonating me and others, and I need your help. Now hear this. And remember, I will never slide into your DMs to say peace and blessings or hey, and I will never reach out to solicit your time or your money on social media like ever. I'm not a trader. I am an educator and an attorney licensed in four states. Thank you very much. I'm here to inform, inspire, and empower. No cap and definitely no forex. So be careful, make good choices, and remember, I developed an entire free masterclass about the topic of digital safety in the crypto space. So check out secureyourcryptobag.com for more information. That's secureyourcryptobag.com. All right, that's all for this episode. Until next time, continue to shine. Dear Tech Intersect listeners, have you ever encountered naysayers claiming crypto is too volatile, a total scam, or a hacker's paradise? Well, it's time to dispel these persistent myths and reveal the truth. It's exactly why I wrote Digital Money Demystified, available now wherever books are sold. 
And this book is your golden ticket from being crypto curious to radiating crypto confidence. Navigate the crypto world with clarity and conquer the chaos. Get your copy today to learn about my journey, separate fact from fiction, and maybe even embark on a transformative journey yourself. Don't stop there. Enhance your learning experience exponentially. Join the DMD Insiders Membership Club. It's a gateway to premier coaching, engaging community, and unparalleled content that complements the insights in the book. Together, we'll unlock the potential of digital money and stride confidently into the future. Visit digitalmoneydemystified.com, grab your guide to the crypto universe, and become an esteemed member of our Insiders Club. Let's decode the digital dollar and invest in your crypto-savvy future right now.